0: Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major, Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Fridays uh, here at JM in the AM with a weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again. We should mention that, uh, as is the case practically every Friday, every February, uh, Malcolm's going to be doing a tremendous amount of traveling over the next couple of weeks. So week by week, we will update everybody in terms of the weekly update schedule and when and where it will be taking place. So make sure to be tuned in here on a regular basis at JM in the AM. Malcolm, today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Someone pointed out to me yesterday, and you, you always talk about the importance of uh, of words, of symbolism, etc. Someone pointed out to me that um, it is now illegal in Poland to refer to a concentration camp as a Polish concentration camp. And the only legal way... To publicly stated is a Nazi concentration camp, and this, of course, for those who uh, who who feel it's important to highlight the culpability of the Polish people in in World War II and of Nazi atrocities, uh, this is quite bothersome to them. What's your reaction when you hear about this 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 symbolic change that has really become law in Poland?
1: Yes, this has been a, a, an issue for many years, uh, where the poles say that that. These were not Polish, these were German camps, and I remember many times guides um, sort of obliterate the, the Polish role, and anybody who has even visited the camps knows that the people in the environs worked there, certainly knew what was going on there, that the that they, there was a lot of complicity, just as there were some uh, there were righteous Gentiles who who try to help. I think it's, you know, it's a misguided thing. And confronting history is the only way to to address the atrocities that took place and the role of uh, of people. And there are those in Poland and officials who have been very forthright and and willing to do so. But um, this this eventually it, it became a law. And, and therefore when, people should not be surprised when they visit these sites and hear what what descriptions are offered and information is offered uh, whether in official brochures and stuff or by guides that uh, that this uh, the description is mandated uh, I, I did want to say that you know people we had a ruling in, in recently in a German court that an assault of the firebombing of the synagogue in, 1914, in 2014 uh, w- was considered an anti-Israel act, not an anti-Semitic act. Right. By a court ruling, when three people of Palestinian origin, uh, right after Ramadan, when things are very excited, particularly excited, I should say. Right. Um, uh, threw in the middle of the night, threw firebombs into a synagogue. Right. And it was not ruled an anti-Semitic act, and that, of course, aroused uh, a reaction. But we see the dumbing down now of the standards. In both instances, it's, it's uh, a mistake for the, for the countries involved, for the people involved. I just saw that the um, the special committee that was set up in the year 2000 by the U.S. Holocaust Council to investigate and to catalog the death places, the places of labor camps, the concentration camps, of course, but the military brothels, the other places that were established by the Germans and Nazis in different countries. And they initially set out to uncover five places, 5,000 places. That was the estimate. A year later, by 2001, they had doubled that number. And then, uh, a few years later, they said, well, there could be as many as 20,000 people mm-hmm. between and uh, places between 1933 and 1945. To date, this encyclopedia of the camps and ghettos has 42,500 sites where the Nazis persecuted and killed and did all the terrible things that they, they did. And it's only the first two books of, of what is a seven book, Series, so the number ultimately, when it's finished in 2025, the target date, and each site had to be uh, uh, identified by multiple witnesses. It wasn't just that somebody could say, "On this place," because you know much of the evidence has been eradicated. Unless they could find official documents and multiple witnesses, they did not make it into this count. So you can think of how many more places were actually um uh, it, 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 used in and places so when they said they didn't know when people claim innocence as, uh, as sometimes in Poland they do This belies it all, and it tells the real story. And on this International Holocaust Day, it's a time people should remember and and think about the lessons of
0: this. And, yeah, excellent point. And obviously your point being that those are the only ones that are documented. God knows what happened beyond that, but look at the numbers just on the documented ones. It's insane. Uh, Also, this report this week, we spent a little bit of time on it with the the, uh, Office of the uh, Ministry of the Diaspora from Israel. It's the annual anti-Semitism report that they released after analyzing a whole bunch of stuff. And in France, uh, anti-Semitic violence is down, while in other places, incidents in Europe, other areas of Europe, and the United States, it seems incidents are up. They attribute this to the crackdown of the government and police forces in France, which you could speak to that if you would. Is that in fact what's going on, that there's a a concerted effort among French authorities to uh, uh, really quell the anti-Semitic attacks?
1: There is an effort. Uh, you also have the deployment of, you know, half their military inside the cities. You have uh, police and army stationed at Jewish institutions. So that does diminish it. The, um, the, but overall, I think that one would have to say that the number of incidents, and especially here, uh, as we document them more, uh, is certainly on the increase. There is no diminution overall, right. in, and both in the intensity of of the incidents, the, the physical assaults, the verbal assaults, the what what is going on in the campuses. It may be, be that it reaches a peak point. Uh, as it, as it may have happened in France, there's also the question of reporting. Do people report the incidents? And in most cases, the answer is no. They don't. And by as the way, we know in our own communities, people don't report when they are harassed or some incident takes place, especially somebody who has. Uh, physical symbols, you know, wearing outward symbols, clothing others that identify them uh, as Jewish.
0: And it's not only so that. The, I, I was I was made aware last week and and maybe I should have realized this, and you, in fact, may have mentioned this at times that it didn't hit me, that that campus security uh, on campuses around the United States essentially handle things internally. and and very often, apparently, very often on certain college campuses, They are encouraged, meaning the security forces are encouraged not to get involved in certain types of episodes and incidents, and anti-Semitic ones are primary among them.
1: We have multiple uh, cases, even in universities here in New York area, where incidents were either not reported properly, were were reported within the campus, but. Campuses don't want this information to get out because it dissuades Jewish students from coming. And they, of course, don't want to become identified as a racist or or anti-Semitic or bigoted uh, campus. But ask the students. That's the best uh, indicator. And we've had many cases where uh, where a student will have a uh, appeal to a university official others and the response was very slow and we try to follow up on all those cases we, we provide lawyers we do other things for for students on campus getting alumni getting uh, faculty but often the faculty are, are guilty of doing things in the classroom yeah. and of course no police nobody goes in it's academic freedom certainly when it comes to being quote anti-israel and and trying to draw a line between anti-Israel and there is a distinction between criticism of Israel and a particular policy and BDS and the other movements that we see o- 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 on the campuses and uh, and in cities and in other places uh, where it's a much more visible manifestation of, of uh, more, more blatant manifestation of anti-Semitism. But we should be clear, you can criticize Israel and not be an anti-Semite. Right. Can't deny the right of Israel to exist he and the Jews to have the state and have the rights of everybody else. And
0: on this International Holocaust Remembrance Day, the final frontier—I should say—the most obvious uh, frontier now is the internet. It is unbelievable the number of uh, uh, of episodes that are and, and posts. I, I didn't even realize that there's an algorithm that actually keeps track of key, certain key words. And certain key phrases that would be used uh, to express anti-Semitic feelings. The internet and social media—I'm sure you agree—is one of those uh, areas, one of those frontiers where we don't know what to do. It's like the Wild West out there, and uh, and the level of anti-Semitic activity on the web is, uh, at this point, uh, beyond any control.
1: Cyber warfare generally is the new frontier, and you know Israel is doing an amazing amount of. Uh, of work to to counter it, and there are firms, there are hundreds and hundreds of firms in Israel. They're cutting edge in the world on, on fighting cyber war generally, and the, whether it's hacking or the use of, of the internet to spread hateful messages, there are tens of thousands of anti-Semitic you know websites. Because as soon as you close one or a hundred or a thousand, another hundred or a thousand will will appear because they, you know it doesn't take much to stardom, and keeping track of all of them at one time is not easy, but it is being done and there is a concerted effort to try and address uh, web hatred and, and the simplicity with which the messages can be communicated, not only within a country, but internationally, and it's not like you have a, a printing press where you publish anti-Semitic uh, literature it's it's uh, you know just somebody gets on a on the, their iPhone or cell phone and, and starts tweeting out hateful messages. Yeah. So yes, this is a new frontier of hate.
0: Do you ever think? And, and we'll move on. I know there's so much news to get to, but we got into this because it's Holocaust Remembrance Day. Do, do you sometimes think because you're a student of history and one who really yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a student of history and one who really appreciates uh, you know looking back and learning lessons going forward. Could you imagine if this type of system was, in fact, in place in the 1930s and 40s, where, you know, at the touch of a button, something like, uh, you know, something could go viral, and where uh, and where um, uh, laws and regulations uh, could be enforced with much greater ease than they were able to in the early part of the 20th century? It is, it, just to consider it is
1: very scary. I, I do think about it. And uh, you saw that it took Hitler months to spread the big lie. Today, it takes seconds. It, it Literally, you can reach a much larger audience, and you can spread the uh, the most extreme expression. It doesn't take a propaganda machine to do it, as it did then. And the real tragedy is that the big lie still works when it comes to Jews, when it comes to attacking Jews, Jewish interests, Israel. It, it, it's really uh, regrettable, but you're absolutely right. One can only imagine what today a really good demagogue can do utilizing these new resources. Unbelievable.
0: All right, America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard and listened to sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at MalcolmSiegel.com, the Malcolm Siegel Network, and of course, in our beloved NSN app. Malcolm honline's with us. As I mentioned, pay careful attention over the next few weeks. Malcolm is going to be doing as usual, a lot of traveling in February, and we are going to try very hard to schedule the weekly update for each of the Fridays, but um, uh, just pay careful attention. We'll obviously update you in terms of our actual schedule as we uh, move along. All right, uh, so settlement building has begun, and I <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, laugh as I say that because, as we know, you know, there have been times, uh, even when Donald Trump was not president of the United States, when, when settlements had been built and expanded in Israel. Uh, tell me about the timing of uh, netanyahu's announcement uh within obviously hours one can say of uh, last friday's inauguration and uh is this the trend are we going to see many more announcements because of the comfort level he has with the new white house
1: well it's not settlements it's housing that's being built is it not right and, and one of the things that the media keeps doing is making it sound as if a new settlement is being put up most of this is within the Blocks and the existing uh, territorial confinements of those blocks. Good point. Right? Second, second, much of this is previously announced uh, construction that uh, w- was uh, was announced. Obviously, they do feel that uh, uh, the new administration will be more tolerant and, and uh, of uh, any of these kinds of things that can subject them to, to immediate condemnation, uh, as was uh, the case. But I think that there, you know, there are limits in that there will be eventually some understanding between the prime minister and the, and the president between the two administrations about how to address it. Again, you don't have a secretary of state, you don't have other people looking at these issues yet, um, so I, I don't think people should draw too many conclusions. Obviously, the president has spoken out very forcefully, and. Um, uh, we see the discussion on on other issues the fact that you have uh, somewhat of uh, the the uh, discussion on the Jerusalem embassy and the announcement that this is only the first stage and they're only looking at it which was I think to be expected uh, but the moving of the embassy which is a matter of principle it's not a it's not a gift it's just correcting a historical wrong none against the, the state of Israel and doesn't take it's no territorial implication and that's what I think I said last week that, right. that we have to do it. We should not be intimidated from doing it, but it should be done just, you know, smart. And meaning that there could be announcements that the, you know, the the, the, the that the status of the holy sites will not be affected. King Abdullah is scheduled to come, I think, this this coming week, Monday or so, to to Washington. And he obviously is very concerning as, a, you know, with what 60, 70 percent Palestinian population. And we know that how quickly they can be roused. And he is the protector of the Harabayat of the Temple Mount, the uh, status granted to him after the 67 more and, and is sustained since then. So, again, I think there are things that could be done, but but people should should put it in the right context that this is not, Asking for a special favor or or, or changing anything, there's a U.S. law it was enacted in '95, and we're seeing its implementation.
0: Uh, would you agree that he'll follow Prime Minister Netanyahu's lead on this issue? If the Prime Minister I, I, encourages it, he'll tend more to encourage it. If the Prime Minister discourage, discourages it, the President will likely do that.
1: I think that the the discussion with the Prime Minister will be very critical on this issue. The Prime Minister has is clearly reflected in the discussion of their recent conversation earlier this week, uh, that there are also other priorities for him and some that are a very critical security considerations, like uh, what's going on in Syria, the buildup of Hezbollah, like Iran and in so many ways, uh, Um, what's happening with the PA, um, what's going on in Gaza with Hamas and the buildup of ISIS there and the confrontation between them. There are a lot of issues on the prime minister's uh, agenda. Uh, Obviously, Jerusalem is central, and it's something that he or everybody feels very strongly about the recognition. Uh, So I think he would also argue that uh, I mean, to me, the best way would have been if one day everybody would have woken up and there was a sign on the consulate saying yeah, exactly. also of the ambassador of uh, the United States to Israel," right. and people would have seen that that we're not, you know, moving Jerusalem, we're not changing the boundaries, we're not putting up a wall. There's nothing else is is changing by virtue of this. It, it's just the natural state of affairs, and and hopefully we can line up other countries. and I think the message the administration gives to certain parties, saying to them, "Listen, this is." the way it's going to be we're going to recognize it we hope you'll come along but at the very least to to the others who are going to instigate problems or anticipated that they will be held to account for if they uh, stoke violence or violent reactions to it yeah
0: no question about that. um tell me about this 211 million dollar payment that president obama uh, supposedly authorized to the pa before leaving office last friday
1: well, there was $227 million. $221 million of that was to, we went to the Palestinian Authority. There had been a hold uh, placed by Congressman Royce, the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the House, and by Senator Gren- Granger from Texas um, because of the amount of money that the PA is spending on incitement, on paying the, the, the um, pensions to terrorists who kill Jews, Israelis. To, uh, to and to their family, to the families of those who engage in those activities, uh, you know that the the guy who did who rammed in, and, into those four uh, young soldiers uh, within a week, his wife was getting seven hundred and sixty dollars a month of pension for life and uh, all sorts of other benefits. And there's a, over three hundred million dollars in their budget annually for this, and so members of Congress are finally saying, you know, it's enough, and they asked that there be a hold. It's not that this was everything. they got. The Palestinian Authority got $250 million from us for, uh, through other accounts and uh, previous payments. And then the president, uh, President Obama, literally as they were walking out the door, you know, I guess the lights are already off. He, he made, the, he released this money. What is interesting is that the State Department didn't pass it on. They held it. And so that money has not been given to the Palestinian Authority, and now the new the administration will have a, a say about doing it. The problem is that the optics were terrible to do this, you know, in, in such a, a sneaky way. And Secretary Kerry notified Congress, but as he was leaving, and, and uh, Congress didn't even have a chance to react to it, uh, now that money will be reviewed, and, and it should be leveraged, to, to get an end to these very blatant violations by the Palestinian Authority that continue to stoke and uh, violence and encourages people to engage in it because of the financial rewards.
0: Um, so symbolically, uh, President Obama was obviously trying to make a point. I mean, more than just symbolically, but you get, well, the reason I say symbolically is because you were probably sitting there Thursday and Friday as we were speaking, because when we spoke last Friday, it was hours before uh, President Obama's official end of his uh, term. Uh, You're probably sitting there wondering, is there something even more serious than a payment to the PA that's going to be coming in the next few hours? Am I right that that was a concern of well, yours? we were
1: always concerned what would be done in the last uh, uh, days. And I i don't know if we know everything. That, uh, like on the Iran deal, we don't know all the secret codicils. We find out more and more and more will come out. The president signed an awful lot of uh, decrees. Um, so we'll have to find out. You know, and I'm sure the Trump administration is is reviewing all of them and trying to study them. Uh, we'll find out if anything else was done. But this was a, 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 the way it was done. It's not just the, the, what he did, but the way it was done. This was money that was allocated, right. and um, and it, it just uh, the appearance and the the message of it is is really terrible. Uh, but
0: I, my point is, at noon last Friday.
1: Yeah, of course. You, you we, were at, you, we did not know, and, and we no, still don't. I'm saying we still may not know all the things that were done.
0: Oh, so it's, it's a noon last Friday, I, I would suggest that you you know took a sigh of relief that there wasn't anything more serious, but you're saying we, subsequent to that, could find out that, in fact, something more serious did
1: occur. Well, I don't know if more serious, but, what, but we don't know all of the acts that were signed, what mm-hmm. other um, measures may have been taken. So we have to wait and see. It's just, it is unusual for, for presidents on the way out to, to engage in those kind of activities. It, it, pardons are usually done, and it's very regrettable that he did not include Pollard or Rubashkin in those uh, pardons when he gave so many to people who could pose dangers to society, ultimately, and uh, did not to uh, consider their cases.
0: Uh, And I mentioned uh, either last week or the week before, maybe the new president would make that one of his first actions, but it doesn't look like he's heading in that direction, right?
1: Uh, Presidents don't do that as a first act. You know, people, I'm sure it'll be discussed, but it has to be done at the right time because... You know, first got to find their feet. they got to yeah, cabinet it isn't in place. But he, but he it's not a kind but, of thing you do right but away. But he
0: doesn't seem to care
1: what anybody thinks. <laughs> no, no, it's not because of what people think. It's because he's just, I'm sure, overwhelmed by all the immediate things that have to be done and considerations. Right. You know, the appointments, they, got, they fill 4,000 jobs. It's, right. it's, uh, by the way deputies have not been appointing these are very key positions
0: by the way i gotta ask you because occasionally i i turn to you for your general acumen when it comes to political science someone wrote this week i think it was a wall street journal piece someone wrote this week that in fact president trump is um not really that concerned about the voter fraud situation and how many people were at the inauguration but if he continues to to harp on those two issues then he'll be able to allow the, the he'll be able to allow the media to concentrate on those things while he goes ahead and does other things that they're not concentrating on. You think there's anything to that theory?
1: very clever i never heard it before i, think it's, uh, I think it's brilliant it's really and by the way smart. by the way if, it,
0: if it's true that his reputation of knowing how to manipulate the media is off the charts
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on i mean we don't believe in conspiracies but boy that would be a good one um uh, it's a very yes that's a very intriguing idea
0: yeah i'm telling you when i heard it. i said my god he may be even smarter than we think especially vis-a-vis the media all right um The the trip, it sounds, every time the White House uh, references him, meaning Netanyahu, it sounds like he's coming earlier than March, like his trip is weeks away, like sometime in February.
1: Yeah, it could be a Super Bowl time period, uh, because he does have a trip to Australia scheduled for mid-February, which means that if he doesn't do it then, he could come in March when the APEC annual conference will be held also, so it will be killing two birds with one stone. I think he wanted to come earlier because of certainly the message it sends. It's the same reason why other leaders, why Ms. May is coming, uh, Prime Minister of Britain, why King Abdullah is coming, why many others are are trying to come. Uh, President Mexico was scheduled, but that's been canceled um that the that you know you send a message to other leaders and that that you're in and that you have a, a relationship so that's why i think they would like to do it as soon as possible
0: is the relationship between between president trump and uh, prime minister may critical when it comes to his desire to really have a comprehensive plan to get isis is, is great britain going to play a big
1: role in that I wouldn't say that they play a big role. They play a role. They are part of the coalition forces. And But I, I think that there's a message to Europe. There's a message that he wants to build a relationship with Britain, I think, along the Reagan-Thatcher lines. I think that he, you know, that, 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 so there are other messages that come with it. And as a supporter of Brexit, he would want to be supportive of, uh, of the Brits and of the prime minister who, who did support Brexit.
0: And um, campaign Trump versus President Trump, when it comes to ISIS, uh, you and I had discussed uh, countless times when he was debating his opponents in the the Republican primary, and then of course when he was debating uh, Mrs. Clinton, we had pointed out that it sounded like there was no real plan uh, to defeat ISIS, and now of course he's talking about a comprehensive plan um, uh, to to take real action. Any difference uh, in in what he's uh, espousing now compared to then? Is there anything in place that looks like a plan coming from the White House?
1: Well, remember, it's, just, it's still his first week in office, and right. uh, you know they have to see, because it's a very fluid situation there, and there were talks that were supposedly going on. I don't think they're going to go anywhere, but uh, I think that in the principle, I don't see any change of what he pronounces and, and the policies that he has enunciated. Um, implementation is always more difficult, you know, when you, when you actually have to deal with boots on the ground, when you have to deal with uh, realities, and it's not just true regarding Syria or the international scene, it's true regarding everything, when you have to face all, all the consequences and think about things that you didn't necessarily consider before. But I think that the, there is a consistency, from what I can see, in, in what he's been what he's doing and saying now to, to what he said before
0: yeah his executive orders have included you know, things related to obamacare uh, the environment uh, immigration law the wall as we know but i don't think he has uh, signed anything regarding repealing any part of the iran deal to this point correct
1: right and i don't know that repeal is the direction to go i think we have a lot of other things we have the um, rubio introducing the renewal of the non-nuclear sanctions act right. we have the um, meaning more sanctions but for their other violations which are growing every day i think that there are opportunities to to increase the banking uh, sanctions, which I believe in strongly because I think it affects everything else. And we see trade delegations from France, and they said yesterday that Germany was company was interested in a $12 billion investment. A lot of those are just announcements and not stuff that comes to fruition. But um, you know, there is a, a, a lot of activity going on. But the Iranian economy essentially is in a very poor shape and in, in, by every measure and internally the unemployment, et cetera. So the sanctions and increasing the sanctions will will have a very serious effect Of those who are dismissive of, the, of it. And uh, repeal or just trying to, to um, uh, tear up the agreement may not be the best way to go right now. There are a lot of other steps that can be taken in the interim and then see over time how we either reshape it, renegotiate it, or... You know, ignore it.
0: You mentioned King Abdullah's visit. Does Abbas make any attempt to uh, visit Washington or have some type of conversation with President Trump?
1: I don't. I don't think so. I, I, nothing that I know of till now. But I'm not sure that uh, he will. He wants to face the message that uh, President Trump will would give him, uh, and maybe finally force him to come to terms with reality and either start negotiating or step out or, you know, after he's ready in this, what, now 12th year of a four-year term or 11th year of a four-year term. I think we've been and, saying
0: 13. Oh, maybe I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I can't keep track. Well, time flies, so maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> certainly does. but But, you know, I think he, he's getting sobering messages and, and maybe he'll start reading it right and, and. uh react in the right way or pay the price
0: is there a an official israeli policy regarding syrian refugees
1: israel has done such amazing things and i went personally to visit up in the golan in the middle of the night when and see israelis young israeli soldiers going in taking out syrians who are wounded especially children but also adults and i mean literally every night thousands have been treated for free in Israeli hospitals, the burden carried by the government of Israel, the organizations that are trying to help, among others that uh, have uh, provided some assistance in this. Um, but it is truly a remarkable story, hardly told. So one of the networks here finally did a story last week, interviewing some of the Syrians, saying, you know, we were taught to hate them, but we see that, that we were being lied to, that uh, that, they can't disclose who they are, and if it gets out that they were treated in Israel when they get back, they could be killed. So um, the Israel's policy is to, to, to engage in humanitarian assistance. They can't allow the border to be open and have a massive influx of people. They they are talking about taking 100 orphaned children and giving them respite and care And then, uh, you know, certainly in the interim until the situation there settles down. Wow.
0: Uh, We mentioned earlier the payment, of course, and the possibility of uh, the new president freezing it, meaning the payment to the PA, spoke about executive orders. Um, The Trump administration, according to the Max Fisher article, is preparing executive orders that would clear the way to drastically reduce the U.S. role in the U.N. and other international organizations, as well as begin a process to review and potentially abrogate certain forms of multilateral treaties. How serious an action do you think they'll take? I mean, obviously, he made it known over the last few months what his feelings are toward the United Nations. But I mean, is he talking about you know symbolic funding, or we're talking about a real pushback or pullback of a U.S. role financially in the United Nations?
1: Well, I think that that's exactly what what we're looking at from what we know now. Again, it's early, but they're talking about a forty percent, I think, cut in. Are, are dues to all international organizations. He's talking about cutting off any agency, international body that uh, accepts or grants full membership to the PA, because again, it's a violation of, of American law adopted by Congress. That's why we cut off the money to UNESCO. It wasn't the administration. It was Congress that passed the law, but the, the administration acted on it uh, and we are not, uh, we don't pay any dues to, to UNESCO, but he's talking about uh, a much broader uh, move. He's also saying that we would um, punish companies or uh, that do business with countries that that uh, circumvent this Iran sanctions. Uh, so it's a very broad. Uh, there's broad coverage, and it could have multiple uh, manifestations in different ways, both economic and political, etc. Uh, but. It seems to be serious, and you know they will—they will listen because they dependent on the America's dues. And not, nobody said anything about pulling out of the UN. And nobody, as far as I know, and, and people, and I don't think are looking at that as a viable option. But to use the leverage we have to say that they, these agencies, for once, will be held to account. They've been getting away with murder for decades.
0: Unbelievable! Hit them in the pocketbook, huh? The only way to really make an impact. Mm, that certainly gets their attention. Uh, finally, this terrible, terrible bus accident in Israel uh, that killed two uh, near Malay Lavona, I- I'm assuming that it-, it was not at all a terrorist attack. It had nothing to do with terrorism. It was simply a bus accident, correct?
1: As far as uh, we know in the reports that I've seen till the middle of last night, there, there was no accusation of uh, terrorism. We've seen vehicular terrorism, yeah. unfortunately, in and- even even this past week, another incident where there was an attempted ramming that, thank God, did not hurt anybody. But not in this case.
0: All right, Baruch Hashem for that, I guess. But uh, of course, what I said—a terrible episode uh, that affected um, uh, Israel uh, yesterday. Um, uh, next week, where, where are you allowed to reveal your destination this year? I mean, you know, some years you go on these missions, and you're allowed to tell us where you are. Sometimes you're not. Is, are these one of these? Is this one of these destinations that we're allowed to know about, Mr. Homeland?
1: Well, next weekend, I'm going to be speaking at the Limud Conference in London Ah. and at the Board of Deputies in London and other venues there, meetings there. Uh, But there's this international gathering of all the – from across Europe, and uh, so I'll be speaking there. Then to Israel, then to Morocco, Hmm. then back to Israel, and other points – around so we'll keep you updated as uh, as it moves along but willing we'll have opportunity to talk but not always in my hands when, uh, when oh, that moving I, around
0: yeah that i get all right well two things uh, let them know in london that you need the noon hour free if i'm oh no i'm not calculating correctly I'm, yeah i it's, think it's a, i think it's the noon hour
1: anyway. no one it's five hours different
0: oh, oh, it's a one o'clock hour whatever sometime <laughs> yeah. sometime yeah. around then and obviously uh neck a week from sunday you'll have to watch the kosher halftime show from london in most cases you'd be watching it here but i guess you'll have to access it from your hotel in london
1: yeah as much as i would be watching it here i'll be watching it there <laughs>
0: hey wait a second you're supposed to tell the world that you love watching the kosher halftime show are you kidding me
1: no the halftime show of course that i watch i just don't watch everything in between
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right malcolm a good trip have a wonderful job there he is malcolm hold is executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major american jewish organizations he